So, welcome to summer. It's officially summer. It has begun, and it's already feeling really good, isn't it? Feels like a real summer landing on us. Welcome on, online friends as well. And I'm excited about kicking it off next Saturday. You know, I just encourage you, bring a friend, come and join us here after the parade. This is an outreach event. This is something that we do to build relational capital with the people around us and just love on people and have a good time. This is something that we do as a church to sow seeds into our region. So I hope you can plan for that. Uh, don't just sleep in. Join us even at the parade and uh, cheer us on as, as that day happens. And hey, uh, next week we're launching into our summer series of messages on seizing the promises of God. So looking forward to that. We've never done a series on the promises of God since I've been here. So this is going to fit really awesome for July and August. Starts next Sunday. We're going to look at promises that you can seize and lay hold of, like promise of protection from God, promise of his presence, his power, his wisdom, his guidance, and so on. So many great things in the Bible that we can, we can believe God for and enter into and access through Jesus. It's going to be incredible. And today we're actually... Wrapping up the Greater Vision series, so you can turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is kind of kickoff verses. We have many other passages to look at today, and you can, you can hop there and get, get them marked and, and ready for in a moment here. Um, and, and we're going we're gonna to go into something here that really I've saved for the end of this series, and that is, how do we step into this Greater Vision thing for our lives? We've learned a lot about what it can look like, what faith uh, is doing involved in all that, and I think this is the moment where we need to bring it all together and ask ourselves how, practically, how do we step into releasing a greater vision for our lives? In other words, where do I get the capacity from? Where do I get the energy, the time, the strength, the gifts, uh, the resources, whatever you need to fulfill the greater vision of your life? Where do I get that? When do I get it? How do I get it? And I want to say this. In the last week and a bit, I've been at many events just like you. I've been at so many events, I can't even remember them all. <laughs> and I've bumped into a lot of people. And here's what I'm finding out. A lot of Christians at this point in the year are completely exhausted. I'm like, what has happened? <laughs> you know, they're just like running out of, out of, out of energy, strength. They're on fumes. And, and they're like, I, I need a recharge from God. And I want to say to you, if that applies to you, God restores our energy. He really does. He wants us to be fresh. He wants us to be full of strength, full of hope, full of zeal, right? Never be lacking in zeal. And, uh, and I just encourage you to lay hold of that today if that's you. And I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand or stand or anything like that. But if you're feeling like tired, okay, and there's a legitimate tired from work and then there's chronic fatigue, tired. If that's you, just receive something from God right now as I pray for you, okay? So in Jesus' name, I'm praying, God, for a refreshing to land on your people today. I'm praying for um, a resiliency to come back into our lives. Lord, I pray that for anyone who needs it, uh, that there will be a, a recharge moment today in your presence, by your spirit, through your word, this is the ministry of what Jesus does for us, and we thank you, Lord, that we can exchange our weakness for your strength, our tiredness for your power 
And God, I pray that whatever we need to face this week, we would do it in your ability. Not our own capacity, not our own dregs and, and leftovers, God, but that we will be full of joy, full of hope, full of life as we live out the greater vision for our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And if you receive that, say amen with me. Amen. Amen. All right. So where do I get it from? This capacity, this energy, this strength, these resources, whatever I need, the gifts, the enablement, where do I get it from so I can fulfill the greater vision of my life? I think we have to answer the question, do we know what we have? Do we understand what we've already been given to us? Because the biblical truth is you already have it. Now, I don't know if you believe that or not, but I'm going to hopefully convince you by the end of my talk here today. You already have it. It's already been given to you, already been allocated, already reserved and set up for you to use. The question is, will you take it? And isn't it true that we notice this often, that when it comes to pursuing the will of God for our lives, doing what Jesus wants us to do, that so often we do it in our own strength. And we reach that point where we're just, I'm, I'm out of energy. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't even want to go to church anymore. I just need a break from God or whatever. We don't say it that way, but deep down we're like, God, can I just be alone? Right? And God is so loving, so good. He still comes around. He's like, hey, you're not going to get very far without me. We need to realize what he's given to us already. You already have it. Just elbow the person beside you and whisper to them, you already have it. It's already in you. See, we don't live by the patterns of this world. We renew our minds, right? Romans 12, 2. We renew our thinking. We get into alignment with the way God says we should live, how we should live, how he's provided for us. We attach our faith to what he has declared in his word, and then we live from there. And the scriptures say... We already have it. So, let's go through them. 2 Peter chapter 1 at verse 2. By the way, when I read these first three passages, I, I'm reading over you through the Bible here what you already have. This has already been given to you, okay? So you don't have to earn it. You just have to get into alignment for it. All right? 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us, say that with me, has given to us all things, can you say that? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. For some of you, this is like the first time you've really heard that verse, right? All things. Some things? No. Most things? A few things? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1. We've got Paul's great Holy Spirit-infused prayer for the church. And he bursts out at this ecstatic utterance of praise he says in verse 3 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Say that with me. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. How many spiritual blessings? Everyone. Not just some, not just a few. Every spiritual blessing you have already been blessed with in heavenly places. And we'll see later on here in a moment, you can access it. One more passage here, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21. Paul's writing to this church. It had many things happening in the church. It needed clarity on, on who to follow and who to believe and all that. And they were feeling like they were missing out. I think the Corinthian church had a bit of FOMO going on. And uh, he talks about how everything in God's kingdom is aligned to them. So he says in verse 21, 1 Corinthians 3, he says, Therefore let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Say that with me. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. Yours and you are Christ, and Christ's is God. You already have it, but do you know what you have? So there's three things I want to cover here as we dive into this important topic in the scriptures. And the first one is this: you already have it through your inheritance. Did you know that you have an inheritance that is set aside for you? It's got your name written on it. It's reserved in heaven for you. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're born into a very wealthy family, perhaps a home of billionaires. Maybe your grandfather is Steve Bezos, who owns Amazon. I don't know, someone like that. Or Warren Buffett. Billionaires, almost trillionaires. Your parents have yachts and castles and condos all over the world. They eat the best food. They wear the most stylish clothing. They have the most up-to-date technology. They have helicopters on their boats because when they're out boating, they might just want to fly over to a certain island and have a visit and have lunch with someone. They live a very lavish lifestyle, and you're in that family, okay? And your parents say to you as you're growing up, they say, as soon as you're able to make decisions, you can access all of this. You don't have to wait till you're really old. And they're talking to you and you're 16 and they're saying, you know, pretty soon you're going to be able to access all this and we're going to set you up for that and you can start using your wealth and now you turn 18, right? And so they take you to the bank and they get you an electronic passcode and digital ID and all that and they set you up and they say, go ahead and start using it. And you, you grew up in this home, you know it's very wealthy, but you don't really care much about that. And so you end up saying, you know, mom and dad, I just, I just want to live in the basement suite of an old condo. And, you know, I just want to play video games and I just want to wear sweats all day and eat chicken fingers. That's not what I want to do. And they're like, why would you do that when there's so much you can access? Well, I, you know, it, you know, I, I don't know, like it's, is, is it really mine or is it just yours? And, and so they don't access it and they live the rest of their lives like that. Okay. This is not a perfect illustration, okay? Because the true riches of God are not found in the perishable things of this life, right? But I'm trying to make a point here that you can be raised in a royal home 
and not even for a brief moment of your life even access all that you have. It's a great tragedy in the kingdom. There's many, many believers who think they have to wait till they go to heaven to access their full inheritance in Christ. And they actually think, you know, that the less that you kind of access now, the better. And they kind of just live in sort of a little bit of a, a mindset of spiritual poverty, if you will. And they, well, you know, who am I to think that I could expect to have joy every day or peace every day or strength every day? I'm not going to believe God for that. Therefore, they don't get that, right? And, and they do struggle in life, and they're kind of like, well, I'm waiting until I get to heaven. Well, that is going to be awesome, off the charts. But what about now? What about now? And I also want to say this. I, I, I do understand that there are struggles. There, there is a perseverance side to things, of course. There is a discipline side to things and a saying no to certain desires. Please know I, I understand all that and I'm, I'm building that into this message here, but I'm going after something. Because there are dimensions of our inheritance that we can access right now in Christ. They're not just for eternity in heaven. Yes, it's set aside for you, but it's also accessible for you in great measure. Otherwise, there's no victory in the Christian life. Then we just sort of put up with things and grin and bear it, and we don't look much different than people in this world. So are you aware of the inheritance that you have in Christ? Are, are you actually consciously aware of what has been set aside for you? Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, we have obtained an inheritance, an eternal reward in Christ. And then over to Romans chapter 8 at verse 17. Talks about the spirit bearing witness with our spirit. Then it says, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Or co-heirs, it says in another translation, with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So yes, there is a suffering. Yes, there is a perseverance side to it. But there's also an inheritance side. And we are joint heirs with Jesus. Let me just tell it to you plainly. Everything that Jesus has obtained, he's made available for you. That's massive. I remember the year that that truth landed on me. I thought, it can't be. There's no way. And you start looking to the scriptures. You look at what adoption means and to become a member of the family of God and that God views you as his son or daughter and, and uh, Jesus is our older brother and he's also our Lord and Savior, of course. And, and yet we're sitting with him where? In heavenly places. Co-heirs with Christ, co-ruling and reigning with him, and then our feet are in this world. So there is something that we can lay hold of here. But do we know what we have? Do we understand what's been given to us? You know, what if we approach the greater vision for our lives with this deep conviction that God has already provided, already reserved for us, already made available to us every single thing that we will need to live for him in this world? What if we started there? And then by faith started walking it out. Confident that God will give us what we need 
as we walk in alignment with him. And I want to mention this word alignment because it's very important. Everything I'm saying here assumes that all of us want to walk in full alignment with God. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. We love our neighbor as ourself, right? We're, we're walking in alignment. We're in surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior in all areas of our life. We're a work in progress, yes, but we are surrendered. We're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're responding to the will of God. There's nothing that we won't lay down for him. When we're in that kind of an alignment, we can claim this kind of an access. Okay, how about this verse? <laughs> Philemon Verse 6, wow, this is like earth-shattering stuff. Let's take a look at it. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Where is every good thing? It is in you. Well, how come I don't feel like that on a Monday morning? Well, you know what? Don't live by your feelings. It's in you. It's placed there by God through his presence, by the power of his spirit. Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. When it comes to fulfilling your vision, you need to know that God has already made available to you through your inheritance what you need in order to fulfill the will of the kingdom in your life. And God will attach to his will automatic provision. Did you hear that? God's going to attach to his will for you an automatic supply of whatever you need to do his will. This takes away all the guessing. (laughs) And uh, I've been really enjoying this book from Miles Monroe, it's called The Principles and Power of Vision. And just one quote here from Miles Monroe. I've used it in this series a couple times. He says this, um, it's under every purpose has its own prosperity, okay? So he, he says, another fundamental aspect of provision is that God has designed every purpose with its own prosperity. Your purpose has built in provision for it. God never requires from you what he does not already have in reserve for you. Wow. So whatever he's called you to, I don't know what he's called you to. Could be to raise a great family. Could be to start a thriving business that will meet a great need and hire many people and bless a lot of families in this region. Could be that you're called to be a missionary. That you're going to be sent to the nations. Could be that you're called to be a counselor. Could be that you're called to be a school teacher on that mountain of education. Whatever he has called you to, God will attach to your calling the provision that you need in order to do it. You just got to look around for it. If God has called you to it, he's already provided for it. Okay, there's a piece about that, right? Takes away the striving. And can I remind you of how God wants to bless you in so many ways? I mean, the way that he wants to bless us is just incredible In Deuteronomy 28, you know, under Moses, we have these incredible words. It says, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I've commanded you today. The Lord will set you high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. That's what it says. These blessings are gonna chase you down and go, we're taking over your life. 
They're at your heels right now, they're the blessings of God. They're, they're right behind you, and they want to they wanna envelop you. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Then it says, blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and your offspring. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. And then it says down in verse 12, The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only and not beneath. And what's the alignment? If you obey his voice and fulfill his commandments. The alignment does matter. But that's what, you know, that's what God is promising to you. Not just to someone, to you who are his covenant people. It's, it's just staggering to think of the blessings of God. And, you know, no wonder we're going into a series on the promises of God. I think God's weaving this all together. That we need to see what is ours and seize it by faith. So do you know what you have? So we looked at... It's ours by inheritance. Secondly, you can, you can have it by agreement. An agreement is something that we do all the time. We're always making an agreement. Do you want to go to the movie? Yes. I make an agreement. We go to the movie. Should we have these people over? Yes, we'll have these people over. Um, should I work a little longer? Yes, I'm going to work a little longer, and then I'm going to take some time off, and so on. We make agreement all the time. This is part of our image-bearing God made us with a will, right? God gave us the gift of causality, which means choice. And he's put into us the ability to choose. We can choose to obey him, follow him, love him, or we can choose to ignore him or even reject him. So making agreement then is something that we do every single day. You made an agreement with some things already this morning. You're going to make an agreement with some things this afternoon and tonight and this week. And we're always making choices about what we will agree to. And, you know, we notice this even at a young age. You're a two-year-old, right? You say, don't touch that. And they look at you and they decide if they agree with you. And of course, sometimes they, they do and sometimes they don't, right? But they're, they're saying to you, hey, I've got a will. They're not, they're not really conscious of what they're doing, but you're starting to discover in your two-year-old that they have their own mind. And you've got to navigate that. It's kind of crazy. You know, you think that God would wait till they're like 15 and then give them the gift of willpower, but no. <laughs> These little, little things, you know, they have this tremendous will and they get all stirred up. It's funny, right? They look so cute when they're doing that sometimes. <laughs> you have to make agreement with things. And you can make an agreement with great things. Things that will bless you. Things that God wants to do in your life. You just have to know what they are. The Bible says, God says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Mm. So we perish in this life. We struggle in this life because of a lack of of knowing, a lack of yada, experiential knowing of the Lord's will. 
We don't know the Lord's will. How can we say yes to it? And so we end up making agreement with things that shouldn't be ours to make agreement with. Agreement with poverty, agreement with sickness, agreement with despair. You know, it, it breaks my heart when I think of that there's, there's whole spiritual orders devoted to the vow of poverty. It's an embracing of a, of a vow that some people have made to live without anything. I understand the intent to be free from the cares of this world, but poverty, that's a whole different thing. Poverty is not God's plan. It's not something that he's sent out as a blessing from heaven. And sickness, sickness happens. We can all relate to that in our own bodies. There is a, there, there is a realm that we battle against here with sickness, and, and yet sometimes it's, it, it's obvious that people will make a partnership with the sickness. They'll make an agreement with it. And it not only is something they're battling through, but it's something that's become them. Or a, an agreement with despair or discouragement or depression. And all these things can, can be so debilitating. How about Psalm 23, verse 1? You know, this is a psalm I think that most people can kind of paraphrase. If you really had to, probably half of you could say Psalm 23, right? So, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd... I shall not want. Other translations, I will not lack. And the word there means to go without something that you legitimately need. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. That's a declaration from the mouth of David. It's good to do declarations. Can we relate to this? Because <laughs> this area of lack, I think, is something that has, has gotten embedded into the psyche of even Bible-believing Christians, that somehow that lacking truly what we need is something in the, in the area of God's will. I'm like, ah, careful. And yet there is suffering for Jesus. There are those who will have their homes confiscated because of their faith and so on, and we understand suffering for his name's sake. I'm not talking about going without, in, in those terms, I'm talking about just normal life here, if I can say that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack, I shall not want. And we get into a mindset, I think sometimes as believers, that we should start with a meager mindset and then let God amplify it later. I don't think that's necessarily healthy. Because God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. Okay, that's what he wants to do. And we're like, Lord, well, you know, I'm sure there's not many resources up in heaven, so I'll just ask for the bare minimum. I don't think God is impressed with that. And I don't think it means that, that we shouldn't be wise and we shouldn't be content. Yes, of course. Use wisdom, be content. There's timing for things of when you get them and all that. But I do believe that we sometimes get into a lack mindset. And the Lord rebuked me on this, I think it was three years ago, out of the blue. I wasn't even thinking about it. And he said to me, I was walking on a pathway, he said, never make a decision based on lack. And I went, what? Never make a decision based on lack. Don't look at what you don't have and say, therefore, I'll do this. No. You make decisions in faith. Right? The just shall live by faith. Well, I'm lacking some things. I don't, okay, that, we'll, we'll deal with that. But we don't make decisions based on what we don't have. 
We make decisions on who God is and what he says he's going to do for us, and we get into alignment with that. Are you with me? There's some freedom here that, that comes to us when we step into this. I'm not saying we should waste things. I'm not saying we should be, you know, like God is my, my spiritual Santa Claus. I get, no, 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 none, none of that. Remember the alignment piece. But once we're in alignment, we can believe God for his generosity to us. I think he wants to be generous to us. I remember I was looking for a job. I'm 19 years of age. I'm living in another province. I have no money. We're living on grilled cheese sandwiches, me and three other guys. We looked for jobs, couldn't find them, played road hockey all day. And then we finally ran out of food. We thought, we have to work. I went looking for work. I went to this thing called Manpower. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Manpower. The government building that has job postings. I wrote them all down. I phoned them. I put, you know, this is before cell phones, right? Coins in the phone. Can I have an interview? And I got turned down, turned down, turned down, turned down, turned down. No job. I'm 19. I'm living on my own. I'm beginning to starve. And there's lessons there of how I got there. Anyways, (laughs) I woke up one day and I felt the Lord say to me, today you get a job. I'm like, oh, I'm a brand new believer. I'm, I'm kind of getting used to hearing his voice, so I go out looking for a job. I don't go to manpower, because manpower is like no power. So now <laughs> I'm looking for God's provision. And I got a newspaper, and I'm walking down a street, and the Lord says to me, in a residential area, I had no money for a bus, and I stopped outside of a house. It was and a little sign in a garage window. It said appliance repair. The Lord said, go in there, and you will get a job. Clear as day. I went, what? I don't know this person. I I don't even know if there's even a human being in the garage. Go in there and you'll get a job. I thought, well, what do I got to lose, right? So I I go in there and knock on the door. I open the door. There's this short guy from Switzerland singing opera. (laughs) And I goes, oh, hi. He goes, hi. And I said, "Um, just seeing if you need any work. I do need work. He hired me on the spot. And the job was taking apart old, broken-down washing machines. And, you know, he would sing during the day his opera songs. Then he would disappear on house calls and come back. The job lasted three weeks, and it, it ended abruptly. <laughs> but it was God's door opening to me. And the Lord showed me something. You know what? Call to me, and I will answer you. I'll show you things. I'll, I'll do things. God gave me a better job after that. A job that was already placed into my heart. I got to go to a place out on the, on the island of Vancouver Island and work in a logging camp. And God gave me that job. He provided it for me. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack. Maybe you need to say this over yourself. I, I declare this over myself probably three, four times a week. I lack nothing. I don't, I don't lack anything. I don't lack time. I don't lack strength. I don't lack healing. I don't lack energy. I don't lack friends. I don't lack opportunities. I don't lack any resources. I don't lack any money. I just declare that over myself all the time. And there's a piece about that when you do it. Proverbs 34, 9 and 10. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Is that what your Bible says? Do you believe that? Right, no matter what you're facing, 
Well, I can't afford my whatever. The Lord, those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. The problem is we get into the older brother mindset, right? In the parable of the two sons, right? When we realize, you know, there's these new converts. They get saved out of the jaws of hell and all the grace of God gets all over them. And people are so excited about them. But what about us that just maybe grew up in the church, right? And we just like, just been faithful, dutiful Christians. What about us? And I think the message of the father to the older brother goes something like this. Everything that I have is already yours. You already have it. You have full access to everything in the family. So just celebrate that, right? Yeah. Do you know what you have? By the way, um, when you step into abundant living, and I know some people get nervous when you say that because they, they, they picture wrong stuff. I'm not talking about the stupid stuff. I'm talking about the good biblical ground stuff. When you step into abundant living, you yourself will become generous. Because you live open-handed. You're like, ah, man, I get to enjoy these things. But I could, I could give them away. I could lay them down. I could, I could bless someone else anytime because you know it's not yours anyways. People who walk in the abundant life have no problem tithing. Not a problem at all for them. They know what Jesus said. You know, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. A life of, you know, freedom and a life of faithfulness and a fulfilled life. And when you're in alignment to that truth, you can easily give God his portion. The top 10% belonging to God. You go, that's not, a, that's not a big deal. It's easy to tithe. Easy, easy to tithe. You know, when you're walking in abundant life, you're like, I'm full of abundance. This is God's portion. He said, bring it to me. Bring it to the storehouse. Where's the storehouse? That central place of gathering for worship, for community, uh, where people come together in the presence of the Lord. Oh, let's see. The New Testament equivalent of that might be... Oh, yeah, the church, yeah, okay. So we bring the 10%, we bring that first fruits, right? By the way, when we give God the top 10%, this is what the Bible teaches, the rest of what we have becomes sanctified. The first fruits makes the rest holy. In other words, if we don't tithe, the rest of our money is not under divine protection. And then things happen, things break down, Bills come in out of nowhere. We're like, where is this coming from? Well, you know, if we honor God with his tithe, he says in Malachi 3, I will bless you. I, I will rebuke the devourer for you. I'll, I'll keep pests from destroying your crops. I'll, I'll shield you financially if you get into alignment with this promise through tithing. And, you know, I think probably in different settings, people make a big deal out of tithing. I'm tithing now. I think it's great to celebrate that when you get there. And I hope we all get there. I remember when I got there at age 24, I came in kicking and screaming with tithing. Uh, there's no way I'm going to do this. And then God showed me the blessing, and I stepped into it. It took me about six months to fully get there. And uh, it is something to celebrate, but, you know, it's like going from grade four to grade five and into middle school, right? That's tithing. Tithing isn't the end goal. It's the elementary level. It's the foundational level of 
Stewardship. It's not a master's degree. It's, it's good. It's just, it's, it's middle school, right? And there's more that we can go on from in there with the blessings of God. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. Okay, so we're looking here at the final point, and that is you can have it by access. When we're talking about access, we're talking about accessing what God has already given us through faith, through declarations, and through activations. So much in life depends on your access. Do you have the code? Have you got the, uh, the pass code to get into what you need to get into? God has already put it into our hands when it comes to his blessings. And you can access what you need, first of all, by faith. Hebrews 11:6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If they diligently seek him, and they believe that he is who he says he is, they're going to get rewarded by God. Maybe we need to make a decision about that today. Just to step out in faith and believe that God is who he says he is in this area of our lives. We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't make determinations by what's going on around us only. Yes, there's wisdom for that, but there's also supernatural wisdom which informs our true reality. The Bible says that he, uh, we who are spiritual make judgments about all things. We're, we're discerning things all day long. Is this good? Is this from God? Is this, is this from man? Is this, is this from the enemy? Uh, should I partner with that? Should I make agreement with that? Should I be, should I be avoiding that? Should I be doing more of this? We're, we're discerning things all day long. It's part of our makeup. And we can access incredible things by faith. We can access, for instance, healing. I remember the first time I was ever healed by God. Again, 19 years old, I jumped off a retaining wall. It's badly strained my right foot. I'm pretty sure a, a, a bone was broken or or a great strain at very least. I'm, I'm aching in pain in the little apartment with the three guys I'm living with. And I have no health care card. I'm in a different province. We don't have a telephone. We have no money. We don't have a car. I'm like, how am I going to get my foot healed? And I kind of whispered a prayer to the Lord, like, Lord, could, could you do this? I didn't know that he would do this for me. I was a brand new believer. I just thought, I don't know. And, and I heard the Lord speak to me right away. He said, I have healed you. I'm already in you. And I saw him sitting on a chair in front of me, and then my foot felt like it got touched. It felt like it was tasered. I felt this surge of warmth and electricity go through it, and my foot was instantly changed. I started putting weight on it. I could jump on it. I thought, wow, God, you healed my foot. He's already in you. He's already there by his presence and power. It doesn't mean we shouldn't lay hands on people and pray for healing. That's biblical too. That releases healing in a different way. But if you're a believer in Jesus, you already have within you the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. And he will give life to your mortal bodies, it says in Romans 8, by his spirit who lives in you. Now this side of heaven, you know, wow, 
not everybody seems to get healed, right? That is worth a whole message in itself. But let me just say this to you. When people are not healed and we've prayed for them and we've gone there with fervency and they're still not healed, where do we land? What do we say? What do we do? This is what helps me, and I, I think it, it might be something that you could use in your life. I, I think in this area of healing, when we're talking about why people don't get healed, there's four powerful truths that must converge together that we must hold by faith in tension. The first one is this. The resurrection of the believer's body when we leave this world is the ultimate healing. It's going to be awesome. You will have no disease in your body in heaven, no aches and pains. You know, you're not going to be short of breath in heaven. You're not going to have sleep apnea in heaven. You're not going to have a blood disorder in heaven. You're not going to have scoliosis in heaven. You're not going to have cancer in heaven. The resurrected body of the believer is an experience of ultimate healing. Jesus has purchased that. We're all going to get there one day. It's awesome. It ought to be the great hope that we have. Secondly, whenever someone experiences healing in this life, it's a foretaste of that ultimate healing. It's a good one. It's a foretaste. It'll last for a while. <laughs> but it, it's, like the, it's like the down payment. There's more. So even if we are healed in this life, there's a greater, greater resurrection healing that's coming to our bodies later. All the great healing evangelists from the 50s and 1800s, guess what? They're all dead. They're, you know, they're not 200 years old. They're just not here. And they would testify this. He's a good healer. He healed when I was there on earth, and he, he's ultimately healed my body through the resurrection. So there's this ultimate resurrection, and every time someone's healed here, it's a foretaste of the ultimate. Third thing is... Every healing in this life is also a demonstration of the kingdom of God in power. Oh, so when healings come, it is a manifestation of God's goodness, God's strength, God's ability to touch a body and heal them and restore them. That's awesome. And then fourthly, here's the final truth to hold together. Jesus commanded us to heal the sick. Ah, so we don't just say, wait for heaven. No, <laughs> some will get that uh, earlier maybe than we all hope. But he also says, heal the sick. And uh, in the atoning work of Jesus, he is provided for this. By his stripes, we are healed. Well, how come that not everybody gets healed? We hold these truths together in tension. And I would just wrap it up by saying this. God is able, God is willing, and God is good concerning healing. God is able to heal ready to heal, willing to heal, and God is good no matter what. There's a grace on us for whatever we face. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I believe strongly in the contending for healing, and I go there. But I think this needs to be said every now and then. Otherwise, people go, don't you ever have a, a message that covers that? Yes, we do. We walk by faith. So we access this by faith, And then it says also in the scriptures that we can declare these things to be true over our lives. And even in the power of declarations, we find that God is doing something quite incredible. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, at verse 13, it says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Do you see the relationship between believing and speaking? When Jesus cursed the fig tree because it had leaves but didn't have fruit on it, came back the next day, the disciples found it withered from the roots. And they said, Lord, look at that. And he said, have the faith of God. Say to this mountain, be plucked up and thrown into the heart of the sea and it'll be done for you. When you declare these things, you believe that you have them, you will receive them. He, he says it in Mark 11, 23, 24. And then finally, we access what we have through an activation, through doing something. If you're a practical person, this is probably just for you because we've got to take steps of faith. It's like the widow with the pots of oil, right? The prophet comes by and says, hey, you know what? What do you got in your house? So just a little bit of oil. You know, he says, go gather some pots. Not a few. Her and her son go out, borrow pots from all the neighbors and bring it back, pour out the oil, and the oil multiplies. It multiplies. How far does that multiplication go? As long as there is a container that can take it. She gets overwhelmed with this multiplication of oil and she pays off her debts and she lives on the rest. It's an activation step. It's something that God invites us to do. Booker T. Washington wrote a book once and delivered a speech in which he told a story of a ship that's lost at sea for many day days and the sailors on board of the ship were distressed and without hope. They were exhausted and hungry and dehydrated. They had no water. So finally, they sent out a signal. You know, they used flags to kind of get the attention of another ship on the horizon, saying, water, water, we die of thirst. The other ship signaled back, cast your bucket where you are. Sailors were confused. Their signal was obviously being misinterpreted. They tried again with the flag, saying, water, water, we need water. The answer came back from the other ship, cast your bucket where you are. These dehydrated men were frustrated, and they sent out the signal again and again two more times. Same answer, cast your bucket down where you are. Finally, the captain of the lost ship said, I don't know what this means, but we'll die if we don't try. So he threw a bucket over the side of the ship with a rope. He brought it up and found out it was full of sparkling fresh water. They were at the mouth of the Amazon River, which deposits fresh water into the ocean. And the sailors were refreshed and saved from death. They had to throw the bucket out. They had to take an activation step and what they needed was already there for them. It was already there. Can I remind you about this? That we're not supposed to forget the Lord and all of his benefits for us. Who forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. He's an amazing God. He wants to bless you guys so much. He wants to bless all of us in a way in which we become the blessing to others that we have such an overflow in our lives, not just monetarily, but spiritually as well, that we become the means of blessing to so many people around us. Let's stand together. We're going to pray.
I just want to speak over you the provision of God that's already been given to you. And if you want to claim it with me, just by faith, just reach out in the name of Jesus and say, Lord, I'm going to believe this for me today. I don't know what exactly you need, but I'm sure that one of these things that we will highlight here will be yours to claim today. Lord, I claim your joy in my life. <laughs> the joy that defeats extreme sorrow, sadness, and a heaviness. I claim that joy over me right now. I claim your peace, the peace that passes all understanding. I claim your strength and your power in my body. I thank you, God, for protection. I thank you for provision. Lord, I just say over myself today, I don't lack anything. I don't lack anything. I don't care what my circumstances say. I lack nothing. I have all things in Christ. I, I am ac accessing my inheritance right now. Mercy and grace are chasing after me. You're going to guide me. You're going to shelter me. You're going to give me food and clothing and air and water. You're going to give me the right job. And I'm going to claim health and wholeness in my body. And everything, Lord, everything that I need, I'm looking to you for. Because you're the one who's given it to me. So I celebrate that today. Lord, I pray that every one of us would be able to step into just this great, great encounter with you, God, where we, we know it is not by our striving, but by your grace and your generosity through Jesus to our lives that we get all this. Lord, may we release it well, not hold on to it, but bless others. Every time we walk by someone, Lord, there's a need in their life, and I pray that you would use us to meet those needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let it be so. Let it be so. Hey, uh, ministry team, come on up here. And uh, if you have a need in your life, come on up and we'll pray for you. God bless you guys. Start enjoying summer. We'll see you soon.